Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. Okay, so I'm going back to my comedian's favorite jokes. Um, and this is Doug Benson, which I'm not sure who he is. If you're curious, you can look him up. But his joke is funny. Uh, it says, don't ask me about my pan pizza. It's personal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then I have people are sharing uncomfortable compliments they get and wish people just wouldn't. <laughs> First one, my coworker looked at my children, then looked at me and said, you must have a really attractive wife. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Next one, I'd sleep with you if you were a girl. I was told that on two separate occasions by someone more senior than me at my last job. Ooh. Nice. What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. We I think the dude's gay. That's That's weird. <laughs> Unless he's so pretty, but he's a guy. Maybe. Maybe I'd sleep with you if you were a girl. That would not be a compliment. No. Uh, next one. After a few months postpartum, I went to work and a fo- former co-worker said, Wow, you used to be hot when he saw a slightly older photo of me. Ugh. Dick. Fuck off. You know, when I had Joel... I went back to work, and um, one of my coworkers at the time, she was like my age. She was like, "Wow, you got thick." <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. "Bitch, yeah, I just had a baby. <laughs> I used to be underweight, you know. I was like super skinny yeah. when I so I did gain a lot when I had Joel. Yeah, but, but still, still I don't know. say that. I know, right?" <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, next one, some guy told me, hey, bro, nice nipples. After that, I never wore those types of tank tops ever again. <laughs> That's so weird. What the fuck? It's like, why are you looking at my nipples? And why would you compliment them? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> next one, you could be really good, good looking if you were taller. Uh, nice. Rude. That is so fucking rude. Next one, that's a nice watch from a uh, from a dude at the next urinal. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, why are you looking that way? <laughs> that's a nice watch. Come on. I think he meant that's a nice dick. I think so. I mean, that's nice, but unwanted. Very, <laughs> yes. Next one, I always hoped Sarah would marry you. She said to me by was said to me by Sarah's mom at her wedding to my good friend. Who happened to be standing next to me? Whoa. She said, I always hoped Sarah would marry you. Oh. (laughs) Wow. Sarah's mom at Sarah's wedding, right next to the groom. That's just That's fucking rude. Yes. The first time my mother-in-law saw me in a bikini, she said, I knew my son would end up with a woman like you by the way he breastfed. I was uncomfortable. That is uncomfortable. Yes, no. Oh, my God. What is wrong with people? Next one. Dude, your ex was hot. How did you ever bag her? She's way out of your league. 
that's rude. <laughs> a customer told me once uh, how I looked 15, then proceeded to ask for my number while I was ringing his items up. He kept on with this for several days by telling me stuff like how I looked pretty or complimenting my hair. He was well into his 40s. Ew. Gross. No. No. Next one, someone told me, you have very cute ears, very suckable. Ugh. No. Next one, you have a big butt for a boy. <laughs> <laughs> is that nice? Like, I don't. Is that a compliment? I don't know. Next one, you have the most default face I've ever seen. <laughs> if I had to explain to an alien what a standard human face looks like, I'd use yours as an example. Oh, my God. That's so rude. What is wrong with people? <laughs> Seriously. Maybe these are Those? the people who don't have the internal monologue. Oh. So they actually are saying what they think. Holy shit. Ooh, Maybe that's... we just think they're stupid, but they're not. They just can't do it internally. Yeah. Holy shit. We've solved it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Oh, I love a challenge when I sat down in the hairstylist chair. Oh. <laughs> What the fuck does that mean? <sighs> my sister's father-in-law commented that my painted red toes were sexy. We were at his mother-in-law's wake. Oh, my God. <sighs> wow. Your features are wasted on a guy, said to me by a woman that then went on to be my wife. <laughs> this summer, we'll, we'll be in together for 29 years. Okay. Your features are wasted on a guy. <laughs> And my last one, you've got nice birthing hips. Oh. Blech. That's nice. not a compliment. No. Those are mine for the beginning. Lovely. All right. <laughs> I did 19 terrifying experiences with skinwalkers. Creepy. We haven't had these in a while. I know. Exciting. I love these. I love these, but I hate these. Exactly. They're so creepy. Anybody that has been on the Navajo reservation has either probably heard of some creepy things or have experienced pretty creepy things, namely skinwalkers. I've only seen one. Here's my story. I come from a small town in northern Arizona that's sandwiched between the Paiute reservation to the north and the U.S.'s largest Navajo reservation to the south. My high school being so small... Uh, has an average of 80 students enrolled every year. Always had to travel south about 5 to 10 hours one way to play another high school in any sport. This means that we traveled a lot on the Navajo Res. And we also usually stayed at hotels when we would head out to play and come home in the morning, but this trip was a little bit different. I remember the basketball coach saying that the school didn't have enough money to put up the teams in a hotel that trip so we were going to be on the road for a total of about 12 hours holy crap i was the only male senior to play basketball that season we had just got done playing our game and headed home on our bus we were headed out and it wasn't long about two hours of driving before we had entered the res by this time everyone was asleep with it being about two in the morning when we had crossed the res's border i noticed the bus driver had sped up and was now going about 85 miles per hour. I thought this was a little weird because he never exceeded the speed limit, at least not in my high school career. 
For some reason, I couldn't fall asleep like the rest of my teammates, and I had just sat at the back of the bus staring out across the desolate desert landscape that was lit up by the full moon. As I looked out, I could see a figure running towards the bus at an angle of pursuit and keeping up with the bus at 85 miles per hour. Hell no. As the figure got closer, I saw that it was a humanoid form. As a matter of fact, it looked exactly like a human, only that the face was painted half black and half white with glowing eyes. Glowing eyes like a rabbit's eyes reflecting light from a spotlight. I immediately thought, holy crap, it's a skinwalker. Oh my god. The skinwalker ran up to the edge of the road and just kept up pace with the bus hurtling sagebrush and rocks while staring at me. After I made eye contact with the thing, I could not look away. It was as if something was holding my head and eyes in place. The skinwalker just smiled at me, this inhuman smile that went ear to ear, showing crooked yellow pointed teeth. I felt like I was going to throw up and I was panicking through the whole ordeal. The skinwalker started to crumble down onto all fours, still keeping up with the bus. I could see his bones crack and reform. Hair started appearing all over the skinwalker's body, and in about three seconds was now a coyote, and it had ran off back into the desert out of view. As soon as it was gone, I ran to the onboard bathroom and puked a mixture of food and blood. Ew. I didn't want to tell anyone for fear they would think I was crazy. I confided in my Navajo friend. She told me that I needed to see the chief who also happened to be a friend of mine, and got a blessing. I saw him, and get a blessing. I saw him the next school day in the parking lot. He just came up to me and mumbled something in Navajo while waving a feathered scepter-like thing, turned around, got in his truck, and drove away. <laughs> to this day, I haven't seen another skinwalker. It might be due to the fact I moved away from that town and res, and if I do have to go south, I go around, way around. Holy shit, that's so fucked up. Yeah. I'm really hoping that person just fell asleep and dreamed and didn't realize it. I really hope that's what happened. Well, let's find out in these next stories. <laughs> My father owns a small delivery service that operates out of Farmington, New Mexico. We mostly deliver small packages out to the middle of nowhere that are too much of a hassle for the larger delivery companies to bother with. My dad is the only employee, and we have a few pickup trucks and a trailer. One day, we get a delivery out to Window Rock, Arizona, on the Navajo Reservation, about two hours from Farmington. My dad gets the call for the job while he is chilling with his Navajo friend, Travis, and his girlfriend. Travis mentioned how he's got family in Window Rock that he hasn't seen in ages and suggests that they go with him. I was about six or seven at the time, and it was the summertime, so Dad decides we'll go down together. He can do his delivery real quick. Then while Travis sees his family, we can get, we can go check out the Window Rock, Window Rock, which is a big rock face with a large hole in it that goes to the other side. Pretty cool. We had to convoy in separate trucks since my dad's was loaded down with freight. We decided to bring along some walkie-talkies so we could communicate with one another. We spend our time in Window Rock. Everything is generally uneventful, and we start heading home along the old highway with my dad and I in front, and Travis and his girlfriend in their truck behind us. I honestly don't remember most of the Window Rock trip, but this next part I can never forget. We're somewhere on the highway between Window Rock and Gallup, New Mexico. I had It had just rained earlier in the day, and the road was kind of slick, 
so we were taking it pretty slow. On the left of the highway, there is nothing but sandstone cliffs, and on the right, there is a huge field separated from the road by a small barbed wire fence. We crest the top of this hill, and down at the bottom of the hill, we see what appears to be a very large dog sitting back on its haunches in the middle of the road facing the cliffs. My dad calls over the radio, Hey, Trav, do you see that big-ass dog? Travis yells, starts yelling back over the radio, that is not a dog, speed up right now and hit it. Oh my God. He sounds almost hysterical. He just keeps screaming, hit it, JJ, you have to hit it. Please, please hit the fucking thing right now. So my dad starts to speed up and as we get a bit closer, I can begin to see a little more clearly. It's covered in this brown wiry matted hair that appears to have dried blood all over it. It's still facing the cliffs, but the moment our highlight headlights hit it, it turns and looks at us, and it has a face. I don't know how else to describe it other than a mix between a bear's and a human's face. It looks twisted and distorted and almost in pain. As we get closer to, the, to this thing, we start to realize it's actually fucking huge. Though it was still sitting on its haunches, it's about shoulder height with the hood of the truck. We get literally inches from hitting it when it lets out this scream that sounds like someone screaming as their lungs were filling with water, and it leaps backwards towards the field, landing just on our side of the barbed wire fence. Then with another leap, it was gone from sight. Travis comes over the radio again. Holy shit, keep driving. We have to get out of here. We have to go faster. He kept repeating this last part. We have to get out of here, and we have to go faster. Pretty soon, we are speeding like crazy, and just as we start to come near the outskirts of Gallup, we get pulled over. Travis pulls his truck over with us. Naturally, this makes the cop, a Navajo man himself, very on edge, and he immediately asks why Travis felt the need to pull over as well. Travis said, we just saw a skinwalker a few miles back, and it's, fo it's been following us. The officer immediately turns white, stammers something about a verbal warning, gets in his car, and takes off. <laughs> oh, my God. We do the same. <laughs> we didn't see anything else that night, but when we got home, Travis refused to let us leave without taking some kind of Navajo totem thing that was supposed to keep it away. So, yeah, I guess that's my skinwalker story. That's it. Oh, my God. These are so scary. I hate these. I know. I would not know what to do. When I was about 11 or 12, we lived in a small house made of mud and stone, a lot like our house now. It was two of my brothers and I in the house. Everyone else had gone to the Jamez feast and left us to tend the sheep. We were getting ready for bed when we heard the dogs going crazy outside. Thinking it was nothing more than coyotes howling in the distance, we told them to be quiet. We began to drift off into sleep and the dogs would not shut up. Somehow, I was able to go to sleep for a few hours. Then I woke up very late in the night. It was very quiet and still in the house, save for my brother's snoring and breathing. I realized I needed to use the outhouse and woke up my brother to, t to take me there. He teased me about being scared, which I certainly was. We went out with our flashlight to the outhouse. The dogs began their crazed barking out in the sagebrush, going from one place to the next. My brother went first, and I waited outside for him. While waiting, I tried to follow the dogs with my flashlight. Suddenly, there was a very loud whine from one of the dogs. Then everything went quiet again. 
It was really too quiet for that time of year. Not even the sheep were making noise. Suddenly, I heard a few of the dogs going completely mad by the truck. When I looked over, there was this man. He was unbelievably tall, leaning one arm on the cab roof of the truck. He was looking at the dogs for a little, and then suddenly kicked one of them. They all scattered in different directions. The thing looked up at me, and I saw its face. It had a pure white face, like a full moon, two burning red eyes, and a slight smile that was pure black. I could not move or make a sound. It began to walk toward me with long strides until it finally towered over me. All I began to see was a dark red, like the color of the blood when you cut the throat of a sheep. I kept getting deeper and deeper into its eyes. I could faintly hear my brother coming out of the outhouse. With this, the thing looked up at him. Reality came rushing back to me. I noticed that my brother was too distracted with his buckle to realize what was going on. I also noticed that things that thing's long hands hovering just inches from my head. Its skin was black ash and he smelled like a bloated dead animal in summer. I was still unable to move or speak. The skinwalker began to move toward my brother. Finally noticing this figure, my brother became became paralyzed as I was. Closer and closer it drew, reaching an arm out toward my brother's head. Something finally snapped in me. I became unbearably angry. I broke from the trance and lunged at the skinwalker, raising my arms like a wild animal and baring my teeth at it. A growl came out that I never knew I could make. I became more and more angrier at the thing it was trying to hurt that was trying to hurt us. It kept that smile at first, but the angrier I got, the more the smile faded. Finally, with everything I had, I began to make this primal roar at it. It fell backwards and ran away into the night, looking back at me. Its eyes were dim and dull, its smile now long since gone. The next morning, the family returned home from the feast. After relaying the story to my parents, they quickly hired a medicine man. Creepy. That sounded more like a slender man. Kind of really, really tall. Yeah. I don't know. Creepy. The white face. Yeah. Yeah. It was 1995. I had just graduated high school. An old friend of mine... Wait, I'm adding words that aren't there. (laughs) What the fuck? Let's try this again. It was 1995. I had just graduated high school. An old friend who I haven't talked to in seven years now and I were hanging out. And I said, let's go to New Orleans. And we did. We had $140 between us, and back then, that was more than enough. We made it to New Orleans, almost died from culture shock, and turned (laughs) around and headed to Magnolia MS. Is that Missouri? Mississippi? Massachusetts? I don't know. One of those, probably. (laughs) (laughs) To get some sleep. We stayed at Magnolia Inn. It was a shithole, but it was nice and cool. It was May or June in South... Whatever, Mississippi. A state of some sort. That's hot. Okay. <laughs> cool was the only adjective that mattered. Well, if they were in Louisiana, Mississippi makes That's what more I'm sense. thinking. Okay. okay. We stayed up that night playing poker, drinking Gordon's vodka, and talking about who knows what. Probably girls, college, and college girls. At some point, I said, ever been to Texas? Nope. Pack your bag and let's roll. We had a road atlas. Marshall, Texas was right across the border from Shreveport. We arrived in Shreveport, made a phone call to another friend who we who we were actually supposed to be staying with. 
Both of our mothers had called looking for us. The only person that knew where we were was the buddy on the phone. It was no big deal. We would be home in a day or two. I'm being short on details because if I don't, this will turn into a novel-length story about chasing armadillos and being chased by the boogeyman. Before we left that rest area in Shreveport, where we made the call, we saw an armadillo. Let me tell you something about armadillos. Those bastards will hiss, jump, and turn into Tasmanian devils if you corner them. They also carry leprosy. We were 18. We chased the armadillo around for an hour. (laughs) Now let me tell you about Shreveport. I don't know how it is now, but in the summer of 1995, it looked and smelled like a place where oil and metal went to die. It was dirty. It was a shithole. We crossed a bridge and saw people fishing a hundred yards from where a drainage pipe from a factory was spewing forth waste upriver from the fishermen. The locals reminded me of the locals in Adamsville, bald-headed women and cross-eyed men. A lot of bald-headed, cross-eyed kids. I'm sorry, but it was a Rob Zombie movie come to life. I felt like I was going to be raped because I had a full head of hair and could see straight. The best part of the Shreveport was an armadillo that might possibly have leprosy. Marshall, Texas was 40 miles away. We rolled on. But the vampires are there. Marshall was a decent little town, home of the Fire Ant Festival. We stopped at a little barbecue joint and had a Coke, a smile, and some pulled pork. It was getting late, and the sun was setting. We looked at the map and decided to backtrack a bit and head up Rural Route 43 through Karnak and past Caddo Lake. We would eventually run into Highway 59, head to Texarkana, and then head back home. When we left the barbecue joint and headed towards 43, it was dusk. Highway 43 wasn't well lit. It was almost as dark as Natchez Trace Parkway. I've got a good story about using a pair of pantyhose as a fan belt for an old diesel Mercedes. Do not ever get stuck on the trace after dark, ever. (laughs) My friend was driving and we were doing about 45 miles per hour. Any faster would have been reckless, even for a couple 18-year-old dumbasses. This road was kind of like Christmasville Road. The locals reading this will know what I mean. The non-locals just have to use your imagination. It was dark, winding, full of hills that ended in curves. There were beady and glowing eyes on both sides of the road. You could hear the crickets and the bullfrogs over the sound of the wind rushing by the old Sentra. It was peaceful and creepy at the same time. The humidity was a real thing, tangible. The air was thick. It smelled like pastures, hay, and swamp. We drove for what seemed like hours. It was after midnight, and I saw a sign that informed me that Bivens was the next town of any size. I was hypnotized by the yellow lines on the road. We hadn't seen another car in at least an hour. Sleepy. I rolled the window down and lit a cigarette. There was music coming from the radio, the tape player. It was either Tupac or Bob Seger. I smoked my cigar, or cigarette, (laughs) absentmindedly flicking ashes out the window. I took one last puff and flicked the camel short off into the woods. Then I saw it. I never looked to my right. I didn't even kind of peek to the right. Maybe I did a little when I flicked the cigarette away. I don't know. What I do know is that in my periphery, there was something running alongside the car. 
It was just behind my window, behind where the edge of the door ends and before where the back window begins. I looked over at the speedometer, 40 miles an hour. I looked at my friend. He was looking straight ahead. I looked straight ahead, too. I could still see it. I could see one huge arm, matted hair, reddish-brown, sticky-looking, primal. I eased my right hand over and rolled up my window. My friend was still looking straight ahead. His jaw was clenched, and he put both hands on the wheel. He sped up. No words were said. I looked straight ahead, and still out of my periphery, I could see that arm moving, muscles and tendons visibly rippling beneath the matted hair. As the car gained a little speed, the thing running alongside us lost pace slightly. I then saw the hand on the end of the nightmarish arm. The hand was clenched into a fist the size of a cantaloupe, a big cantaloupe. It was covered in the same hair but slightly darker around the fingers, like it was straining with something, well, like it was stained with something. Suddenly, the hand unclenched, and then I saw the claws, black as this damned after midnight Texas night. Those claws were at least two inches long, sharp, like an animal's. This wasn't a hand so much as it was the killing paw and claws of some beast whose only purpose was to kill and eat. I looked back at my friend. I looked at the speedometer, 50 miles per hour. I looked straight ahead. It was still there. I lit another cigarette didn't roll the window down, and simply said, shit. The music had stopped. I finally broke the silence and said, hey, do you? And before I could finish, my buddy said, I see it. I've been seeing it. I can't even see you, but I can see whatever the hell that shit is. How much do you see? More than I want to. Speed up, John. Just speed up. It can't keep up forever. I looked over, 55 miles per hour. Whatever was chasing us silently was starting to lag behind. I finally looked to my right, just a bit. Imagine the scary part of the movie where you put your hands in front of your face, but still peek through. <clears throat> in 37 years, I have two regrets. One is picking up that first cigarette, and the other is me looking to my right that night. This beast was huge. Its chest was above the top of the car, and all I could see was that matted reddish-brown hair. Then it bent forward as it ran. I saw the face of this thing. All reality stopped. We were no longer driving down some country road in Texas. We were now trying to escape from the depths of a monster-inhabited hell. The thing's face is beyond my powers to describe. It was evil. The eyes were black and the pupils were red. It flashed its teeth at me in a snarl, yellow and huge. Saliva dripped from its mouth. It opened its eyes wide and looked hungry and pissed off. Then it opened its mouth. The skin pulled back until all you could see were black gums and yellow teeth. Immediately, I could feel the car accelerate. Fucking hell, John, just go! <laughs> I prayed, I cussed, I lit a cigarette. Then, like sunshine breaking through the clouds, the road straightened out. Don't you slow down. We drove through Bivens, and we drove to Texarkana, then we drove home. We never said a word. It was years later, 11 to be exact, before we ever even talked about it again, and we didn't talk about it much. He said he'd never told anyone, and I hadn't either. I told the story a few years back for the first time while I was parked out on a gravel road, doing the things you do when you're parked out on a gravel road with a good-looking woman. <laughs> I told it a year or so ago to a couple of kids who wanted to hear a scary story while they sat around campfire. 
They didn't sleep for a day or two. <laughs> I was going to say but that. But they asked good. me a dozen more times to tell them the story. <laughs> I never told anyone until now that I saw its face. I've been scared for my life exactly two times. Once was on that road and once was looking at a grizzly bear in front of me with a terminal velocity induced drop to the side of, of me. I don't know. Call it what you will, call it bullshit if you want, but look me in the eyes and let me tell you the story and you'll know. Never doubt that there are things in this world that defy explanation and logic. The boogeyman is real. Some 16 or 17 years after this happened, I ran across a story in a movie called The Legend of Boggy Creek. Falk, Arkansas, where the aforementioned story and movie takes place, isn't that far from Bivens, Texas, as the crow flies. That is crazy. That sounded more like a gigantic Bigfoot to me. Well, I guess the fact that it could keep up with the car. Yeah, though. that's what's... You don't ever hear of of them run. I mean, running. I guess they could, but yeah. I don't know how fast they would go. Just the description sounded like a Bigfoot to me. Like yeah. A, just like a monster. So normally they'll say like it looked like an animal of some sort or like it reminded them of an animal. Yeah. But they didn't say that with that one. But all of the, have you know, I mean, there's a, 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 pattern. a pattern of running with your car. That would creep me the fuck out. Well, when you were reading that story, it made me wonder how many times something like that has happened and the driver had been completely unaware because they were alone in the car. It was on the right side. Yeah. Like, they could have been being chased and had no clue. So a lot of stuff could be happening around us. We have no clue. <laughs> oh, my God. And that's just fine. <laughs> this all happened about five years ago. One night, a few of my friends decided after a night of hanging out that we'd go on an adventure at about 3 a.m., we took a ride about 50 miles to this old Spanish ruin in New Mexico that was once the seat of the Inquisition. I can't for the life of me remember what the place is called. So we jumped the front gate to the place and started exploring. One of my friends brought a flute with him and he started playing it and about 30 seconds into this, into his mediocre playing, oh something started <laughs> screaming really, really loud on the tops of the long destroyed walls of the place. It was going from wall to wall really quick, screaming the most blood curdling scream you've ever imagined. We noped the fuck out of there. One of my friends pissed his pants and oh drove for a few hours to Bandelier National Monument where we planned to camp out for the rest of the weekend. We got to Bandelier at probably like six or 7 a.m. and set up our camp. After a few hours just talking about what the hell happened at the ruins, I went to take a piss behind a probably only like 300 feet from our camp. This is where everything starts to get a little fuzzy. I remember seeing two dust devils coming my way, and when I turned around again, two of my friends were there, and they were motioning for me to follow them. I couldn't help but to follow them, like I was being pulled behind them in shackles. I followed them for what seemed like 10 or 15 minutes, and then I snapped out of it. They weren't my friends. They had bright red hair with my friends' faces and cat eyes. What? Both of these friends were brunette. I stopped walking, and they looked at me with probably the most terrifying gaze I'd ever seen. Monsters in movies are nothing compared to this. I turned around and ran as fast as I could back the way I came from. 
After five minutes of a full sprint, I got back to that rock that I pissed at and found our camp. Everyone was there, still sitting around talking, and didn't even notice that I was gone. I told them what happened with the lookalike skinwalkers, and we packed up everything and left within ten minutes and got the hell back to Albuquerque. Oh my god. That didn't sound like skinwalkers, did it? It didn't. It sounded like creepy doppelgangers. Like leprechaun doppelgangers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I pictured with the red hair. And we made up our own cryptid. <laughs> that is creepy. Ooh, I did not. And like, was he in a trance? That's what it sounded him? like, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's creepy. I don't know. I was adopted into the Navajo family when I was no more than three months old from Phoenix, Arizona, and lived in Arizona on the Navajo res my whole life. Growing up and learning the language, although I'm not even half or full, my family dealt with these things called skinwalkers or skin wearers. My mother. Born in the 1950s when she was small, around six, she said she used to play with her little cousin, who was around five, on the road while her mother herded sheep with her brother and her father left on the wagon to get water a few miles down. Her cousin's mother lived near her family, so they had company for the most part. Neighbors lived three miles west and four miles to the south. I-40, or Interstate 40, about 26 miles to the south also. Dirt roads, the rural area they lived in, was covered in the forest, so there were lots of tall pines cedar and oak trees everywhere great place in arizona not too far from the new mexico border and not too far from window rock playing by the abandoned dirt road just the two of them far far away from the house in the main dirt road past a large number of trees having the most awesomeness t- awesomeness time by themselves playing with their dolls she smelled something like rotting meat and heard a crunch of sticks and leaves behind her She looked back towards the large pine tree that leaned. Under it sat a woman with waist-long hair, wait, with waist-long dark hair peppered with little gray here and there, watching them as they played, wearing a load of sterling silver and turquoise jewelry, body painted with black grease that stunk, and wore a coyote pelt to cover herself. My mother said she couldn't move and just stared at it just as it stared back at her, and by no means was this woman pretty in the least. She was demonic-looking with what could be described as bloodlust as her eyes trailed back and forth between my mom and her little cousin. Her little cousin wasn't even aware of it yet because she was a ways up playing in the mound of sand. Heart pumping, ears ringing, my mom said she was so scared her breath felt stolen and the smell was so bad she was getting dizzy yet she couldn't move. Finally, she started muttering to her cousin in Navajo. Children could speak Navajo long before they learned English because it was their first language. Vivian, Vivian, there's something under the tree. Viv, Vivian, there's something under the tree. Run! Vivian looked up and saw the lady. Screaming in terror, Vivian burst into tears as the lady watched them, smiling. Raising a finger and beckoning them To come over, my mom grabbed Vivian and ran down toward the main road, just in time for my grandpa, who was coming back from getting water with the horse-drawn wagon. Dad, there's something sitting under the tree over there. There's weird words in here. So, 
Basically, her dad got mad and started yelling at them. Why are you playing way the heck out here? Get in. It's probably just your imagination. And looked over. He saw it as the lady had gotten closer looking at them. That's a skinwalker. Come on. And got back to the house. He went back with her older brothers but never found it. There was only one person with hair that long and that was his cousin. Had no kids and lived seven miles west of them. My mom said she could never forget seeing that. It was a traumatic experience just knowing what could have happened to them if she got to them first. Creepy. I was visiting my grandparents out in Shiprock, New Mexico, during last October to see family and to go to the Northern Navajo Nation Fair that week. Many Navajo people, including my own family, are very reluctant to speak about skinwalkers because it is believed to attract their attention. However, I grew up away from the Navajo Nation and was very naive about the subject. When it came to skinwalkers, I was an absolute skeptic. My mom used to tell a story of how back in the 80s, when she lived with her siblings and my grandparents, still in Shiprock, but the southern outskirts, about how she and my aunt saw a skinwalker just outside their driveway under a streetlight. She described it as a black dog with dirty fur, a twisted noodle-like front leg, and these unnatural eyes with a soft burnt orange glow. Me, being my own closed-minded self, doubted every word, but never said my doubts aloud. But these doubts totally changed last year when I went to my grandparents' house. Me and my family had just finished going to the carnival at the Navajo Nation Fair and called it a night. The house was close enough where we could walk home in just 10 minutes, so we did. When we got there, it was about 9 at night where we stayed up until about 2 catching up about family affairs and the local news. It was during that time that I just decidedly opened my mouth and blurred out the question. Hey, are skinwalkers real? Guys, I asked. You shouldn't be speaking about that, my grandma said, with an almost disturbed yell in her voice. So she and my grandfather both decided to go to bed. After being scolded by my mom, one of my aunts chimes in with a very cautious tone and says, They're real, all right. Had a few start screaming outside of my trailer in Farmington just a few nights ago. Your cousin had nightmares the whole night and woke up crying that morning. Not wanting to push the discomfort any further, we all decided to go to bed. Now the trailer home is pretty old and was really nice. It was a really nice night, so we slept with the windows. (laughs) We slept with the windows open with screens to prevent bugs coming in. Everyone had drifted off to sleep except me because my mind was still going a million miles a minute about skinwalkers and wondered if I ever encountered one while here on the reservation. As a kid, I was told it was taboo to think about skinwalkers because it can still call their attention. That's when the shit totally hit the fan. Just as I was settling and finally getting relaxed for sleep, I started to hear something moving outside. I get up from the couch and start wandering over to the kitchen window. In the trailer, all the rooms have the lights out, so... The only visible light that can be seen is from the porch light out front. I was thankful for this because I told myself if it really was a skinwalker outside, then hopefully it wouldn't notice me seeing it. So I muster up the courage and take a quick scan of outside. From the porch light, all I can see is the dusty ground and the vehicles that my family drove along with some old metal trash cans that stood beside the road. Looking for... Looking... 
for about a good five seconds. I wasn't able to see anything, so I was getting ready to turn around and walk back to bed, thinking it was just a stray cat or something. Only have taken two steps, I hear what sound like a distorted scream coming from outside, definitely close by. Fear rising, I look outside again, and there I see it. A coyote-like figure was staring at my direction from behind the cars, just outside of the reach of the porch light. Only it looked awfully wrong and gave off an evil vibe just from seeing it. It was gray with very disheveled hair and a horrific orange-red soft glow came from its eyes. I noped the hell out and ran back to the bedroom. It was at this moment I had begun to also notice an awful stench in the air that smelled like rotting meat. I started trying to wake up my mom, who was like, Oh my God, it's almost 3 a.m. What do you want? (laughs) I immediately began in a shaken voice. There's something scary outside. Then she said, now annoyed because I woke her up. Ugh, it's probably just a stray animal or something. It's the res. Animals wander all the time at night. She obviously wasn't getting the drift of what I was saying, so I screamed, There's some Blair Witch Project shit going on outside, Ma. That got her attention. What? What the hell are you talking about? She asked. Then we heard it. The thing outside started making more of its dreadful-like screams and started what sounded like thrashing outside on the ground. Hear that? That's what I'm talking about. So both her and I got back up looked outside the window, and the coyote thing was making its way to the door. It walked with an odd limp and dragged its back right leg as if it was handicapped. We could hear it start to scratch against the door and make this odd muffling moaning sound. My mom went and got my dad, and they both started shouting in Navajo all sorts of words, telling the thing to go away and saying it's not welcome here. All this commotion was enough to get the rest of the trailer up as they came out into the hallway. The only thing my mom did was turn to them and said, Skin, Skinwalker, while proceeding to point to the door, noises still happening. Apparently, they already knew exactly what to do as my grandfather got out a handgun from a drawer and a bag of ashes. He coated a few bullets and loaded them into the gun and went straight to the door. Yelling out more Navajo that was too fast for me to comprehend, he swung open the door and fired twice. Nothing. The thing managed to escape before my grandpa could put a bullet in it. That's the fastest one I've ever seen, said my grandpa. Next thing you know, my aunts and my parents are freaking out about what just happened, saying stuff like, what if it comes back tomorrow and it saw us? Does that mean we're targets now? Afterwards, my grandparents calmed everyone down, myself included, saying we'll be fine and we all went to bed. Morning comes and my grandparents call one of their neighbors and explain to them what happened. Apparently, one of them was a medicine man who used to partake in Navajo ceremonies used for healing and curing sickness and came over to bless each family member and the out and the ground outside. Today, I'm very convinced that what I saw was a skinwalker. I still plan on going back for visits to the family and the Northern Navajo Nation Fair I just adamantly hope that I never have such an awful experience like that again. Holy shit, that's creepy. I decided to join my bestie Karen for a three-day stay at her grandmother's place on the res. Her grandmother lives near a place called Tuba City, Arizona, in the middle of nowhere but surrounded by rural homes. We go to college together and I was kind of interested to know about Navajo tradition. 
The first day we stayed, it was pretty chill, nothing out of the ordinary, but then her grandma, not that old, around 67, said that a stray dog came out of nowhere and wouldn't leave. To me, it did act kind of strange and ugly looking. Black, shaggy coat looked like a mix between a German Shepherd and a Lab. That night, we were watching a movie in the living room. It had big windows looked out into the front where the cars were parked, nothing fancy, with curtains wide open. Grandma was in the kitchen cooking dinner, and we were watching a movie. Next to the window was a medium bookshelf and where DVDs are kept. Karen went to put back a DVD we had just watched, but she freaked out because that stray black dog was staring at us through the window, standing on top of the wood box outside. Not something normal dogs do from my point of view or hers. Usually my dog, which is a house dog, scratches the door to be let in. Res dogs aren't house dogs, and dogs inside houses are frowned upon in, in Navajo tradition, meant to protect the house and owner. The other dogs seemed to stay away from it. Karen opened the door and yelled at it to get it off the box. It ran off behind the shed. We went to Tuba City to get some groceries, came back to the house. The dog was nowhere to be seen, nothing unusual. Grandma went to visit some people, so it was just Karen and I. About five o'clock, we heard someone trying to open the door. Both of us looked out since there had been no car heard and no dogs barking. Looking out the living room window to the door, and there was the dog trying to open the door with its paws. Two paws wrapped around the brass doorknob, standing on its hind legs. What? I thought that was weird, but wasn't really freaked out. Karen was. <laughs> she opened the door and chased it off. Grandma came back later, and Karen told her. Grandma didn't like what she heard. Got ready to sleep. We slept in the spare bedroom since it had two beds. One window with curtains opened a little. We turned off the light, but there was a sound coming from on top of the roof. Pitter-patter footsteps and scratching sounds and panting. It then sounded like it jumped off onto the large plastic water barrel they had. At first, we heard what sounded like barking, but as it grew louder, the other dogs seemed to be barking at something also. But all of a sudden, something was running around the house barking, and it was no dog. Nope, it wasn't. The barking sounded human, a deep male voice barking like it knew that we knew it wasn't a dog. Woof, woof, woof. Ruff, ruff, ruff. Arf, arf, arf. <laughs> Just exactly like that, adding the W's, R's, and A's. Then panting again by the window, and we started freaking out. Karen decided to, in my opinion was stupid, open the curtains to look out. There was the stray dog on its hind legs looking into our bedroom, but this time it stunk and what I thought were two black holes in the neck, another pair of eyes twinkled. Ew. Think of those ugly, glossy spider eyes staring at you. And the paws were deformed looking hands with overgrown, somewhat thick and sharp fingernails. Again, both screaming and shutting the curtains closed, Grandma came running through the door and seeing it. First thing she did was grab ashes from the fireplace, load three shells into the shotgun from under the bed, bless herself in Navajo, and went outside to shoot it. Yelling in Navajo about how the thing wasn't welcome there and to get the hell out of there, for it go to linger somewhere else. Then both... Then both being traditional, the next day they called a medicine man to come over and put cedar in. 
He prayed over everyone with cedar smoke and an eagle feather, blessed the place, made us eat bitter herbs called eagle's gall or something, and gave me an arrowhead. Apparently, I needed to carry one for protection, and a little pouch called corn pollen seems to work pretty well. The medicine man, man said that that dog was a skinwalker, which in Navajo is a long word, but I call them Yoshis. The body of the stray dog, which was killed by the skinwalker, made an illusion so we wouldn't know it wasn't a real dog. He also said that Yoshis tend to harm people by using some sort of human bone straw to spit at someone. Think spitballs, only deadlier. Weird. And get human bones into them. Doctors can't detect it, but the medicine man that day pulled a piece of human skull out of my grandma's right shoulder. Pretty big, about two inches long and one centimeter thick. It was real because we watched him pull it out of her. That was intense. What the fuck? I don't know. That was weird. Was weird. And that's all I got. I'll finish the rest next week. All right. I am still continuing my scary experiences. Okay. I'm a nurse and used to work day shift at my old job. I was walking down the hallway with, with my computer on wheels to pass meds one afternoon. I was in between two patients' room, not really close to either door, and far away from the nurse's station and kitchenette. I could hear one of the physical therapists talking to a patient in one of the rooms, but no one else was in the hallway. I was looking down at my papers to kind of get myself organized before going to see another patient. All of a sudden, in my right ear, like someone was standing right, be right behind me, I heard a female voice say, I'm cold. In kind of a jokey way, like someone would be, like someone would do a big shiver and rub their arms and say, brr, I'm cold. I turned around thinking it was my friend Brittany goofing on me, but there was no one there. There was no one in the hallway at all. Mm. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Next one, my wife and our two friends are hanging out one evening, chatting away. My son and his friends were... Uh, the son of one of the people we were hanging out with, were asleep in his room. The four of us heard a blood-curdling yell. I swear it was her son's, and she swears it was my son's voice. She races through the kitchen and into the room to see what has happened. Nothing. They were sound asleep. She comes back through the kitchen to tell us and freezes in terror. Every single door and drawer is open, 23 of them. In the 10 seconds she was out of the kitchen, everything was open. Six of them were high enough to be out of the reach of everyone except me. Didn't sleep too well that night. Yeah, no that shit. That is creepy. We've talked about that before, like in movies where mm -hmm. they leave the room for two seconds, don't hear a thing, and come back and everything's yes. open. No. Creepy. Uh, next one, as a child, I walked into the toilet in my great-grandmother's house, grandfather's house. I lived with him for a while, and he was sitting on the toilet and had not locked the door. I sputtered out an apology as I backed out and shut the door. Then I stood on the other side of the door and realized that he had died sometime before. Shook my head, went back to the empty toilet. I have never really forgotten the feeling of, well, that simply is not real. Um, 
Creepy. And why on the toilet? Why would you come back as a ghost to sit on the to toilet? take a shit? <laughs> I don't get it. Maybe. That's like they don't have to do that anymore, right? I would hope not. <laughs> That would suck. <laughs> and I think we would be catching a lot more ghosts on the toilet if they had to shit. Yeah. Unless they are on the toilet, we just can't see them. And then we sit on them. Ew, no, I don't like that. No. Ew. That opens up all kinds of creepy ghosts. And like, mm. I'm, let's just not. Okay, next one. We have a we. The sensor bar is on the TV stand directly in front of the TV, as is anyone's. We don't have the cord wrapped up or anything. It just hangs behind the TV in a jumble. One night we were watching TV cuddling on the couch when suddenly the Wii sensor bar literally flies across the room till it got to the end of its length and fell to the floor, like someone had grabbed it and chucked it across the room. We could find no explanation for this whatsoever. We had a cat and a dog at the time, but the cat was sleeping in the other room and the dog was on the couch with us. Ooh. That's creepy. And it, stuff like that happens a lot. Just like random, one time, things fly off. That's weird. I know. It's like a ghost is passing through and just hits yeah. it and just keeps on going. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> Goodbye. Let's freak this person out. <laughs> who knows? I mean, who knows? Or it could be just clumsy people. Yeah. Knocking into stuff. You yeah. just never know. Uh, next one, I was out at lunch in Midtown Atlanta with some co-workers. We sat out on the patio. There were some high-rise condos right across the street from us. Some guy jumped from his 40th floor balcony and splattered all over the roof of someone's Jetta. Yeah. Everything went everywhere. The noise was pretty memorable as well. We noped out of there before ordering. It was a super silent ride back to work. None of my coworkers said he, one of my coworkers said he won't sit out on patios anymore when eating. Ugh. Holy fucking shit. That is fucked up. That, like, that is like the meaning of your life can change in a literal mm -hmm. second. Yeah. Witnessing something like that when yeah, you're sitting that's... at lunch. No. That would be horrible. Horrible. Oh my God. Uh, next one, I'm a teacher of adult students, and one student of mine is kind of intense and creepy. Actually, she's based at another school, but specifically started attending classes at my school after meeting me. When I first started, she kept asking me, or she kept giving me welcome presents as I was new to the country. Just simple things like food, postcards, and books, which was a nice idea, but it seemed a little excessive. She added me on social media and then got upset when I didn't reply to her constant messages. I told her that I don't really use social media. Anyway, I didn't see her for a few months and figured she'd just gone back to her own school or stopped studying or whatever and was relieved that she'd clearly gotten bored of me. But then last week she comes in and gives me an envelope full of photos of me during lessons she had taken without me knowing. Ugh. Creepy, what? What the hell is wrong with people? That is creepy. Oh, my God. Uh, next one. I was working in an office pretty late. 100% sure I was the only one there. The AC system shuts down at like 7 p.m. And until it does, you don't notice how much noise it actually makes. Office got extremely quiet, which is unsettling to begin with. And I had my office door closed. 
About 30 minutes later, I hear the muted voice of a little girl with a heavy British accent saying, Mommy, I think he's in this one. Note, I live in the American South, so there's a... Uh, so there's no good reason for a British child to be there. <laughs> Almost shit my pants as the door cracked ever so slightly until a real live little girl popped her head in and says, nope, wrong one, sorry. Turns around, her, uh, oh, turns out her American stepfather was in the building. <laughs> what? So, so it was an actual little girl. And she was looking for her stepfather, who was oh, an American. Okay. But, like, totally weird. <laughs> and they thought for sure they were the only one there, too. Oh. So that would, that be, would pretty, be weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one at our old house, the clock on my nightstand always jumped ahead five minute in <gasps> uh, always jumped ahead by five minute increments every few days. I'd change it out, electric, battery-powered, any clock that was on my nightstand would do it. Watched our room to make sure no one was messing with me. It was just weird. That is weird. That is weird. You keep changing it? Yeah, and it it didn't matter what kind of clock. If it was on that nightstand, it would do it. That's strange. It's strange. I would be doing all kinds of experiments with that shit. Mm-hmm. I'd be putting it on different furniture. <laughs> That's weird. Next one, I often visit Walmart in the wee hours of the morning. One time, I went in at 2 a.m. and noticed an elderly gentleman asleep on one of the mobility scooters at the entrance. When I I left, about 20 minutes later, he was still there. I thought it was a little odd no one from the store had woken him up, but whatever. Found out the next day he had died and spent the better part of the day on display as a corpse at the entrance of Walmart. Oh, my gosh. That is horrible. That is horrible. First of all, dying at Walmart. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then no one even notices. Well, it's the it's the very fine line that we humans have to argue with ourselves about. Is do we involve ourselves in something that's not our business or not? Yeah. And I personally never know the answer to that. I never know. I don't either. I mean, I know like if it was a child, I would involve myself. If they were alone or like mm-hmm. if something was going on with a child. It, it's just, it's. <sighs> I wonder how many people tried to wake up the old man. And, I, you know, like that's crazy. That's crazy. Okay, next one. Years ago, when I was a senior in high school, I had a day where I wasn't feeling so great. I decided, as I occasionally did, to skip out on my last two classes and head home. That meant no school buses, obviously. I would just walk the three miles home. Before the age of computer cell phones... Who says computer cell phones? (laughs) Oh, no. This person must be old. Maybe Um, they meant computers and cell phones. Maybe. Uh, This was a pretty long, boring hike to take, so I decided to take a shortcut through a small wooded trail along the creek. Eventually, I came across a dead cat laying in the middle of the trail. As I walked around it, I noticed another dead cat to my left. Looked to my right, and sure enough, there was another. Creeped out, I looked behind me and noticed two more, and yet another two in front of me. Jeez. They were all laid out in a giant circle with one in the middle, almost like a half-assed pentagram. 
I speeded up the pace and got the hell out of there. Never took that trail again. Thinking back, I, a really weird thing that is there was no visible damage to any of the cats. No blood, cuts, or anything. Just dead. That's weird. That is weird. Maybe they all ate something or... Yeah, but how would they, oh, they end went, up in a circle? Yeah, they were put there by yeah. someone. Holy shit. That's fucked up. Next one, I worked for Radio Shack back in the 90s and was scheduled to open on a Saturday morning. I go in the door, lock up behind me, and go to the back to get things ready, only to see my boss sitting at the chair in the back with his tie around his neck and tied up to an inventory rack with his pants around his ankles. And he's dead with his still erect dong in his hands. That is the day I started drinking heavily. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Who does that at work? And how did they die? Oh, he had the tie around his neck. You know what I mean. Asphyxiation. Yes. Oh, my God. Talk about embarrassing ways to die. Oh, shit. That's a Beetlejuice waiting room story for (laughs) you. Like so, what's your sound? You die. I don't. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I have no clue. It just happened. I don't remember. <laughs> Someone must have come behind me and like hit me in the head. <laughs> I am here talking to you. <laughs> what's that mark around your neck? What? Why, why is your dick in your hand? Why are your pants around your ankles? <laughs> Okay, when I was 12, my cat went missing in the summer. We lived in the country near a lot of farms, and he was an indoor-outdoor cat, but he would come home every night for his dinner. He hadn't showed up for two days, and I had been roaming around the fields looking for him. The second night, I had a vivid dream where I saw him laying on his side in a field, dead, with his neck snapped and his tongue hanging out. The next morning, I went out as soon as I woke up and walked exactly to where his body in the field was, 600 yards from my house, where I hadn't looked yet. He looked just like he did in my dream, down to the position of his body and his tongue being out. We figured he got his neck snapped by a coyote or dog, creeped me right out, and I strongly believe that dreams can tell you things if you only pay attention. Since then, I've had other dreams that have come true or warned me of things, but this is the most vivid. It was like a photograph. And 20 years later, I can still see the image clearly in my mind. Mm, that sucks. Yeah. Poor kid. I know. Next one, I once worked as a live in-staff member at a college dormitory. No. No. <laughs> I once worked as a live-in <laughs> staff member at a college <laughs> dormitory. That makes much more sense. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm just going to go with that. (laughs) During the summer, we housed a few summer school students who remained on campus, nearly 30. It may be significant to point out these students tended towards the highly academically motivated, oftentimes high-stress students, if quiet. Did that make sense? It may be... Significant to point out these students tended towards the highly academically motivated, oftentimes high-stress students, if quiet. I guess so they, it means they're quiet. Yeah, too. they're they're okay. quiet, highly academically yes. okay. whatever. 
Uh, one warm day in late June, my office received a call from a concerned sibling that she and her family was unable to reach her brother who lived by himself in a room on the summer school floor. This wasn't unusual for our office as our office frequently dealt with students avoiding their family <laughs> due to frayed nerves or general social awkwardness. Our normal protocol is to check on a student to check on a student is to try to reach them by our emergency contact information. Failing that, go check their room to verify they're living in the building and perhaps available then and there. Then have them call the family to verify we followed up on the original request. Also, we are to only enter a room with another staff member present to ensure personal safety of staff and students. I failed to reach the student on his room and mobile phone and I was working short-staffed, so since I was on my own, I decided to pop up to his room to check on him. I arrived on his floor around 2 in the afternoon, and the floor seemed deserted as I expected. I found his room number and immediately noticed the sound of a movie playing on a TV or computer from behind the door. I knocked three times and announced that I was a staff member checking on his health and safety. No answer. I didn't think this was that remarkable. College students are notorious for leaving electronics running while not in the room. I checked the floor showers and the bathrooms and found them deserted. I returned to his door and knocked three more times, waiting about 20 seconds between each knock. No answer. This is when my instincts started to buzz. I worked in resident halls for a number of years as a professional and something about all the pieces of this puzzle weren't adding up. Family concerned about his health and safety, Electronics running, someone must have started them recently, within the time frame of a movie runtime. Summer school students and their uh, idiosyncratic, idios, <laughs> idiosyncratic, so, yeah. idiosyncratic behavior, something wasn't right. I was by myself, so I probably let myself get more worked up than if I was with someone else. A deserted dorm floor, even at 2 in the afternoon, oftentimes uh, invokes memories of the Overlook ho Hotel. I decided that for some sense of closure or sanity, I needed to, the immediate resolution of keying into the student's room, even though I was by myself and not technically supposed to do so. I knocked on the door one more time for good measure, again announced myself as the hall director, I keyed into the room and my spider sense went off even stronger. The room appeared relatively vacant. The student appeared to be living out of a suitcase, which is unusual for someone staying no less than eight weeks for a summer school session. The bedding was tousled like someone had been sleeping in it and all the lights in the room were on. And I had suspected, and as I had suspected, there was an open laptop on the desk running on low battery power playing the matrix, but no student. I began to start rationalizing to keep from feeling unsettled. Surely the student and I had crossed paths on my way to his room. I'd never met him before, so I wouldn't recognize him otherwise. And perhaps he was just down in the lobby picking up delivery food for a late lunch. Sure, that's it. Then I turned to leave planning on trying to reach the student later in the afternoon or that night. As I turned to leave, I noticed another odd piece of evidence. The accordion closet doors, which are removed in most rooms due to disuse, particularly single rooms like his, were still in his room, and they were closed. Odd. 
I couldn't remember the last time I actually saw someone use those cranky, dysfunctional doors. Then my intuition spiked higher than ever. Shit, shit, shit. I realized I was alone in a room with a potentially suicidal student who may, in fact, have completed just that. And I am about to be that guy who discovers the body and then has a, sh has a shit storm of paperwork and undesirable tasks, not the least of which would be calling the family back to break the news. I felt like I was talking to myself when my voice cracked as I spoke to the closed doors and announced my name and title and that I would be opening the accordion doors in three seconds. I fumbled with the latch on the doors and finally managed to get them disengaged. As I slid the doors apart, I was unprepared. I don't know what I really expected, a hanging gunshot wound? I'll tell you I didn't. what I didn't expect. A seven-foot dark-skinned Indian man staring at me embarrassingly through as though I had found his secret hangout. We stared at each other for a good 15 seconds without blinking, breathing, or speaking. I finally realized what was going on and my new natural emotion was disbelief. All I could think to say was, um, are you in here hiding from me? He looked at me and said, yeah. My heart was still racing. I turned to leave and before I shut his door, I turned back to him and said, call your sister. She's worried about you. And frankly, I am too. <laughs> so he was just hiding. He was in the hiding closet. in the closet. Why? I don't know. That's weird. It would freak me out, though. Like, that's a freaky story, but damn. <laughs> okay. And this is my last one. I was dating a girl in high school. Let's call her Stacy. During senior year, we got senior release during lunch, which meant we could leave school, dur leave school during our lunch period. Being horny teens, we went back to her house and she started giving me a BJ. Suddenly, we, were both, we both hear someone call out, Stacy? We both jumped up and got dressed. No one was home. Both her parents were at work and her siblings were at school. We looked outside and no neighbors were outside. To this day, we have no idea who or what it was, but we both heard it. Ooh. Ooh someone didn't want our second day. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably dead grandma. Probably. Just like Stacy. <laughs> that would be horrible to walk in on. Yes, it would. Oh, my granddaughter's home. I'm checking in on her. <laughs> All right, it's time for the witty wrap-up. Yay, witty wrap-up! funny tweets. Okay. <laughs> what position is it in soccer where my kid tries to find a four-leaf clover? Oh, my God. <laughs> my teen can't find her shoes, and she has nobody blame to blame but me, her dad, me, again, her siblings, her own shoes, the school bus, <laughs> the cat, our stupid house, the universe. <laughs> oh my god, I got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Me. I'm struggling with some demons today. Wife, I thought I told you to stop calling our kids that. <laughs> hey, if the shoe fits, I'm... Yeah. Me. How was your pancake, bud? Three-year-old, rubbing the pancake on his face. It's soft. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
That's so funny. Sometimes I look down at my newborn baby suckling away at 3 a.m. and I think, you better fucking defend me when your spouse calls me a psychopath. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. I put five-year-old's peas in a bowl, but she wanted them on her plate, so I put them on her plate. And they touched the pasta, so I gave her the bowl back, but it was too late. I'd already ruined her life. (laughs) Oh, shit. What are you going to (laughs) do? First of all, peas, ew. I know, but they're good for you. (laughs) The price of gas was what really made me cave and get my six-year-old the pony for her birthday. Off you go to school, children. Giddy up. (laughs) (laughs) That is beautiful. I love that. My son told someone his favorite show was Love is Blind. Is that okay? (laughs) Um, I've done worse. (laughs) Why are you the way that you are? Me to my kids, knowing full well I am the reason. Yeah. (laughs) Yesterday, four-year-old sees one lone ladybug in the house. This morning at drop-off, Four-year-old announces to his teachers and classmates that he lives in a home full of bugs. Oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. (laughs) Fucking kids. (laughs) Seven-year-old told me nine-year-old passed away in his bed. I started to freak out before I realized he meant passed out. Oh, (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, my God. I would die. Freaking heart attack. Pretty upsetting that my wife won't remind me where our six-year-old's birthday party is, which we both planned together. What? Pretty upsetting that my wife won't remind me where our six-year-old's birthday party is, which we both planned together. That's fucking hilarious. I confronted my daughter about hitting her brother, and she told me she was just giving him a face high five. I tried not to laugh. Honestly, I did. I promise. (laughs) When your kid says she can't wait until she's an adult, because then you can finally do whatever you want. Oh, my God. I used to say that. Yeah, well. Yeah, no. mm -hmm. That's not how it works. (laughs) It sucks. Donkey dicks. Yeah. My six-year-old would like a second bath towel so he doesn't, and I quote, get butt on my face. (laughs) I never thought of it like that. Nobody wants butt on their face. No. Not at all. Oh, my God. (laughs) But it's clean. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, butt on my face. <laughs> my son just said IKEA is grown up Legos and I've never felt more connected and seen. Oh my god, it is. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Brawless post school drop off, groceries in the back seat. Is this the gangster's paradise people sing about? <laughs> I'm not saying I don't love it when my five-year-old asks for a hug. I just wish she didn't always wait until she's mid-poop to ask. (laughs) That's 
so sweet. <laughs> I love how unabashedly kids make friends at the park. My daughter. My mom is over there, and points. She dyes her hair. New friend. That's my mom there, she points. She's 46, and she's on a diet. <laughs> Only shit. <laughs> Parenting tip. To keep your kids quiet in the car, let them throw the crumbs from their car seat out the window for the birds. For 10 minutes, my car was quiet, and now it's a little cleaner. Hey, that's great. That's actually really good. Yeah. I asked my husband where he bought those cute little ice packs I've been using in the kids' lunches, and yep, they're from his vasectomy. <laughs> hey, if you can use it. Hey, yeah. <laughs> cute little ice packs. <laughs> I've been shat and puked on half a dozen times already, and it's only 7 a.m. This is the exorcist baby. <laughs> oh, shit. Why do my kids get out of the car and don't close the door like I'm their damn chauffeur? Also, don't answer that. <laughs> and this is the last one. Some days parenting is really fun. Some days parenting is hard because your kid has decided they're a dog and will only respond to you if you pretend they're a dog. That's fun. <laughs> That's all I got. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Send in your stories. We need them. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook. Request to join the group. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.